Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Don't interrupt me, por favor. Aquí estamos una semana más. Hola, Lisa Button. ¿Cómo estamos? Hola, de lo más bien. ¿Qué tal? Hola, Guillermo Fester. Hola, Nick Hola, Nick Leiber. Here we are. Here we are, uh, hablando en español, hablando en inglés, thinking in English, thinking in Spanish, navigating this bilingual world. Y estamos aquí hoy con Alberto Ibarguen, el presidente de Knight Foundation en Miami. Un hombre que sabe de periodismo y de periodismo en Estados Unidos mucho porque es su vida. Alberto, ¿cómo empezó toda esta historia? De Hablaremos de la Knight Foundation, donde estás ahora, pero ¿cómo empezó esta historia, esa atracción por el periodismo y contar cosas y, y decirle a la gente, y sobre todo, cómo se cuentan las cosas y qué necesitan para encontrarlas bien? Mira, Frank, eh, eh, yo, eh, mi interés, mi interés en, en, en periodismo empezó eh, trabajando en comunidad. No fue tanto en periodismo, sino en la necesidad de información para cualquier comunidad. Y me acuerdo patente cuando estaba en, vivía en Hartford, Connecticut. Eh, yo era el abogado de un programa de la de Legal Aid Society que se llamaba el Puerto Rican Center for Justice. Um, y habla, hablando con, eh, con los dirigentes del periódico del Hartford Current, eh, siempre me quejaba yo de la noticia que no habían dado, que no habían cubierto no habían cubierto la comunidad hispana, no habían cubierto la comunidad puertorriqueña. Eh, de, le, de, pusimos eh, lo que llaman challenges eh, para las los, los afiliados de NBC, CBS, PBS y ABC, porque ninguno tenía hispanos en... en eh, no, ninguno empleaba, esto estoy hablando del... 1974, 75, 6, eh, y programas, programación mucho menos. Entonces, we, we, we made objections uh, to their uh, license renewals. Um, y de esa manera me empecé a involucrar con la gente que estaba trabajando en noticias y en medios, y de una para otra... Después de eso trabajé como abogado en otro lugar, estaba en, estaba en un banco cuando de pronto me llama un headhunter y me dice que, el, el, que era vicepresidente de la compañía Times Mirror, que era el que, el que antes venía a Hartford eh, para supervisar los del Hartford Current, se le había quedado en mente que aquel muchacho que siempre se estaba quejando que no dábamos suficiente noticia o que habíamos hecho tal y tal cosa, y me llama y me dice, Would you like to be considered to be publisher of the Hartford Current? Y yo le digo, I, I think you have the wrong number. And the answer is yes, I would like to be y, y empezamos a hablar y no me dieron el, el, el puesto, se lo dieron a a Mike Davis, un tipo fenomenal, 
después, hablando con Mike, un día me dice, mira, te tengo que hacer una pregunta. Eh, ¿Por qué no nos reunimos el lunes a tomar un trago? Bueno, yo le dije, bien, yo estaba en casa. Y Susana me dice, bueno, ¿quién era? Es Mike Davis, ¿qué quiere? Me va a ofrecer un puesto en el periódico. Y, y dice, pero, ¿en el periódico? Si tú... y, y yo le dije, sí, y lo voy a aceptar. Y dice, pero, pero estás loco. This was usually a reaction to my plan. Pero estás loco. And, I, and Mike, the, we met on Monday. Uh, he's British, so he had a scotch and water. I'm Latin, so I had a scotch and soda. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, the general manager is leaving. I want to split the business side in two. I was wondering if you'd take half. Y yo le dije, yes. Y de, y de ahí en adelante... Tuve 25 años en un negocio con una misión truly a balance of commerce and mission um, que nunca, nunca, nunca eh, me hubiesen imaginado lo, a lo que me llevó la cantidad de, de aventura, la cantidad de gente, la cantidad de oportunidad to serve community um, in, in, in Hartford, in New York, in Long Island, and then probably most especially uh, in Miami. I was just going to ask you how um, being bilingual has informed your experience in, in all those communities. Like, how has that made you um, possibly a better executive than other people who might have filled those roles? Um, I was born in in uh, in, Ator in, uh, in Atorre in, in, in uh, Rio Piedras in Puerto Rico. My mother was Puerto Rican. My father was Cuban. Mm. Um, I was raised in and around uh, New York City for most of my life. Uh, when I was in in law practice, my law partner was African American. I grew up in a very Jewish town. Um, I, I I spent two years in Venezuela. Two, year, two and a half years in Colombia, and my wife, uh, now of 50 years, is Argentine. I said, it turns out that I was in training to live in Miami all this time. <laughs> uh, and in top of that, my father was conservative and only spoke to us in English, and my mother was liberal and only spoke to us in Spanish. So this was, this was the absolute perfect uh, life training for being a publisher of two very, very different newspapers in, in, at the same time uh, in Miami, Florida. So I see you, uh, at least at the, uh, at the very beginning, the way you're describing uh, your career as a lawyer of an invisible America, uh, la gente que hablaba en español, and how that reality has changed through the years. I mean, uh, are they visible now? See, I never thought of my clients as not visible. I heard, I always thought of my clients uh, as present. What they were was not powerful. Uh, and if that's what you mean, then we agree. But they were absolutely present. Um, and uh, my thought was that uh, they deserved the best representation I could give them. Uh, And I and we did lots of things. I told you a little bit about uh, about what we did before, but it was it was interesting uh, that uh, the um, there was a part of the job that was really about 
community um, uh, mobilization or was about uh, uh, act, uh, sort of a- activism, getting the community engaged uh, from the very beginning. It was not just uh, legal representation. Well, I certainly did that. The office certainly did that. Um, but also to do it effectively, um, you really had to assume uh, a role in the community as part of um, as part of living there, part of being there, it was really quite quite a wonderful uh, experience, and I'm I'm still in touch with people from uh, from that part of my life. I, I don't think I answered your question about so are people visible less visible. Para, para I mí, think... para mí es un poco más más en el en el plano humano. Es decir, eh, Estados Unidos es un país eh, como tú has descrito Miami eh, con gente de tantos backgrounds, de tanta variedad de, 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 de pasados y de, y, y de formas de, de entender el mundo eh, conviviendo, pero mmm, la voz de los latinos no se escuchaba en este país o era una voz de segunda categoría. Yo creo que, ha, que ha, se ha evolucionado eh, y doy por hecho que tu empuje ha sido fundamental en esto y, y, y te he preguntado un poco cómo has visto tú esa evolución, o sea, ¿dónde estamos ahora? ¿Dónde está bueno, esa, vo- esa voz americana en español? Sí, en, en, el, en el momento en el momento que, yo, que, que, que hicimos todos esos eh, eh, cómo se dice en, en español challenges eh, eh, de, retos retos re, no challenges en el sentido legal que, que, que estábamos quejándonos de que no le que, que pedíamos que no les dieran la licencia a ciertas eh, a ciertos eh, 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 a esta, ciertas organizaciones licencias para televisión y en, en Hartford era precisamente porque en ese sentido sí eran invisibles en televisión no existía una cara una una, una persona hispana ni enfrente de la cámara ni a, ni detrás eh, eso cambió eso ha cambiado con el tiempo la sofisticación el volumen de hispanos eh, me acuerdo una vez que eh, me llamó un alguien de la de la, eh, la asociación de periodistas de Nebraska y me, cuando ya, ya yo estaba en Miami me dice que no quiero que queremos que vengas a hablarle a la, a la reunión anual de la asociación de periodistas en Nebraska y yo dije pero por qué para qué le piden a un, a un publisher en, en, en Miami y dice no es que fíjate que de pronto Nebraska tiene 5% de hispanos y, y estamos tratando de we're trying to figure out what to do y yo digo, well, how about if you just cover them uh, how about if you hire a few people who speak Spanish bueno, that's part two y, y, y empezamos y, y me dice, y, y, le, y le digo bueno, cuéntame un poquito más y dice, no, they're mainly concentrated in these uh, three or four areas and I said, well, I would assume Those are agricultural areas, and they probably are some. Uh, there's some sort of uh, agro industry, and he said, he said, oh yeah, absolutely. And so there's a concentration, and I said, so probably in those areas the percentage is much higher than five percent. He said, absolutely, and I said, well, um, and I would guess that they're probably Mexican, and he said, oh yeah, they're all Mexican, and I said, well, you know that I'm not Mexican. And there was a silence on the other end of the line. Well, there's more said, than Mexican. And I, and I said, you know what? I'll come up. I think you need help. Yeah. 
Alberto, we've been talking, you've been talking about journalism and about your support for local journalism um, in the past. I want to ask you about where you see local journalism today, not just in Miami, but across across the U.S. I think the I think we are in a moment of 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 enormous crisis um, in the United States because you cannot have a functioning democracy um, without an informed citizenry, and I contend we do not have an informed citizenry. We have a citizenry that is that that can that conflates um, by and large news with opinion and news with entertainment, and we have moved uh, along with the technology to a kind of national shouting match that I think is really um, uh, corrosive. In a so part one, part two of the crisis is that. We are we are still structured as a democracy based on geography. We elect people by city, by by congressional district. These are geographic limitations. And for most of the history of the country, the news that was delivered to people was news that was also geographic. So the news and the democracy and the structure of democracy were actually tethered. Were actually uh, the, you actually had information about the people you were electing. You simply do not have that work being produced in the kind of volume uh, that matters, or the kind of volume that we had even 20 years ago, 15 years ago. And anybody who doubts that. All you need to do is look at the number of thousands and tens of thousands of reporters who used to do that local journalism who are out of work, and those papers are thinner and thinner and thinner. And lastly, the United States, as opposed to many Latin American countries and European countries, did not have until late in the 20th century, USA Today was the first national newspaper. The New York Times um, was was trucked someplace, um, some places, and flown, and you might get it in the afternoon, or you might get it tomorrow morning after after on the day after printing. The idea of national papers is a very very late 20th century idea in this country, and what we had was a series of uh, many 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 local papers that in some ways did not create um, uh, a national identity, but in many ways, I think, created a very stable, very broad kind of base that made it difficult for demagoguery uh, to be the order of the day. Fast forward, you not only have cable television that that first separates news from geography, you've got television that Marshall McLuhan famously identified as a cool medium where hot really stands out. So think about uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton in a debate. She is cool on a cool medium and disappears. He is hot on a cool medium and really pops. It's It fits what happened, fits the technology that's available and internet then comes in and upends everything. So what we've decided to do at night is to, we have no role, I think, we have no ability 
to influence the national shouting match. And so what we're going to do, and we've, we just announced um, a couple of months ago, a $300 million initiative to invest in local news, invest in local digital news. Uh, we will stand up uh, dozens of local news operations. Uh, we will have more reporters. We will have more editors. Uh, we will have scholars, scholar, stu scholarship study. Mm -hmm. We will have legal studies uh, exploring uh, the, the legal nature of the laws that regulate uh, Internet platforms. The idea is that we want to go back to the local where news and reader are nearest together, where the reader has a sense that if you come into my town and say that, oh, yeah, I was in Homestead and in and in Doral, those two Miami neighborhoods, I know you're full of baloney because those, yeah, they both are in Miami, but they are Jupiter and Mars. Uh, in terms of, of everything about those towns. My point is the reader has, a, has an ability to check to see whether this is something that is really believable. And when it becomes believable again, you begin to rebuild trust, and that is an essential nature, an essential element of a functioning democracy. So Knight Foundation is giving all this money, uh, $300 million, um, to are you giving it to local news organizations because as we know um, they've lost reporters i also understand that um, fewer people run for local office when the local media falls apart so i can see you know that what you're going to what you're hoping to accomplish really it goes hand in hand it has to happen I, it, together Absolutely. And I think fewer people run for office, fewer people are motivated. And and by the way, when they do run for office, you have no idea who they are. The only thing you get is their PR, their pamphlet, their press release. You do not get independent uh, journalism about what they stand for, what they what they say, what they said in one part of town versus another part of town. Why don't you have that? Because the work isn't being done. There are not the reporters there doing it. And what you sometimes will have is somebody who will, with in good faith, will 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 report it as as if it were journalism, but in fact, it's opinion. This is really dangerous for the democracy. So yes, I think that's important. I don't think that what we're going to do, what we're trying to do is not to go back and invest in the existing organizations, but actually create organ or support new organizations that are digitally based because you've got to go where the readers are. Right. You've got to go where the audience is. And as Yogi Berra said, if the fans don't want to come to the ballpark, nobody can stop them. So we've got to go find the fans wherever they are. And the, where we're making the investments is found at uh, kf.org slash local news. Tenemos una llamada. Sí, hola, buenas tardes. ¿Qué tal? Buenas tardes. Eh, ¿Tenía usted una pregunta? Sí, tengo una pregunta. Eh, ¿Es para el invitado? Sí, es para el invitado, para don Alberto Ibarwen. Ah, adelante con su pregunta. Pues mire, eh, es que estaba escuchando el programa y quería... Estaba interesado porque le escuchaba al invitado diciendo que nosotros vamos a invertir, que nosotros vamos a buscar otra vez recuperar el periodismo y quería saber qué significa nosotros, porque yo creo que hay mucha gente que igual no sabe qué es esto del Knight Foundation. Pues, buena pregunta. Eh, eh... 
Señor muchas, gracias, Radio muchas gracias por su llamada. Muchísimas gracias por su llamada. Hasta luego. Brillante pregunta. No, el, el, la, los hermanos Knight en su momento eh, tenían la compañía de periódicos más grande de Estados Unidos. En, en un momento cuando periódicos era, eran, eran lo, lo, lo más importante de, en el mundo informativo. O sea, estamos hablando de la eh, época de William Hearst. De lo mismo, estamos eh. hablando de, de mucho después. Eh, de, de los años Ya para los años 50, okay. 60, okay. era una compañía eh, súper importante de periódicos. Eh, murieron, dejaron un montón de dinero eh, que lo dejaron específicamente para eh, informar y, y, y en, lo digo en inglés porque okay. así lo dejaron. Eh, eran, eran dólares en Ameri americanos. Este, eh, eh, to, to create an informed citizenry that could engage so that the people may determine their true interest mm. in a democracy. O sea que eh, es una idea tan sencilla, eh, tan básica, que un pueblo informado decida sus mejores intereses, su mejor rumbo y se, involuc se involucre, se, se, eh, se, se eh, preocupe para, para, para asegurar de que los, los representantes que hemos elegido eh, hagan la voluntad del pueblo en una democracia. Es... Eh, de, eh, es, una, es un privilegio casi inconcebible el que tengo yo de ser presidente de una organización que tiene el, la obligación, no derecho, la obligación de repartir unos 140 millones de dólares al año para, para informar y, y uh, to inform and engage uh, community. La verdad es que a veces no lo puedo creer. Vengo, vengo al trabajo y digo, a mí me pagan dinero. Si mi papá, si mi, si mi papá cubano conservador mm. llega a saber, que en paz descanse, que a mí me pagan un buen sueldo por repartir dinero ajeno, para, para cosas buenas, diría, oye, Tito, ten cuidado, esos son unos comunistas. <laughs> ¿Verdad? Yo, I wanted to ask you along those lines. My mother is Cuban, and she's also the one who's, you know, started out as, as the conservative one in my family. Um, and, and I know you're a fierce advocate for, for free speech. Do you think some of that comes from, from your upbringing with your father? And not you know, having it, I, th I think no. I had it. I had it at home. I no, had no. I mean, he didn't have it in you know in Cuba. They didn't. They obviously. Well, he came. It. He came much. To, he came during the depression. He did not come uh, in the in the Castro uh, period. He just. I, I think it was in the water in Havana or something. I don't know. <laughs> but it. But it was. But, he, but what I did have is, he was a conservative and my mother was a was a liberal, and they had no pelos en la lengua about uh, having a discussion and he would say this and she would say that and if you didn't if if and we all learned to participate in the discussion at the dinner table and and his part was in english her part was in spanish i think our part eventually became more and more english because as kids growing up in uh, in in the United States, that was the the language we were using. But I think I think we all learned um, at that table about points of view, about the fact that you can take almost anything in life 
and and turn it around. And it was a and later, frankly, going to law school was really more of the same. Uh, going to law, lawyers learn by debate. Lawyers learn by understanding the uh, the other side of an argument. And what about free speech in the United States today? I think free speech in the United States today is extremely challenged by an executive um, that that expresses uh, loathing um, for uh, for speech that is uh, that is dissent from his position. That's a problem, but it's not new. This is something that has happened throughout the entire history of the United States and the First Amendment. Uh, there's a wonderful article that I wanted actually to to mention to you in the Atlantic. Uh, by Lee Bollinger, the president of Columbia University. It's a relatively short uh, history of the First Amendment in the U.S., and it should make everyone feel hopeful because we have had ups and downs. The, fr the idea of free speech is an idea that evolves and eventually endures. So I would say it has many ups and downs, but the curve, the curve in the in our in our history is always the the bent is always toward the free expression. for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place with linkedin you can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com people today Una pregunta, ¿cómo decide uno qué hace cuando es una suerte tener ese capital del que has mencionado para, para ayudar a que la gente esté informada? ¿A qué maravilla que la gente pueda conocer, que la gente pueda opinar por sí mismo, que la gente pueda decidir? ¿Pero a quién se lo damos? ¿Cuánta gente te llama a tu puerta? ¿Tendrás ahí colectivos de monjas, de marcianos, de españoles, de chinos, de gente de Liberia? Todo el, mu todo el mundo dirá que, que, que son los que... ¿No? ¿Qué haces? Pero qué buena pregunta. Ese, ese radio escucha es más, más inteligente que el anterior. Este, la verdad es que buenísima pregunta. Yo diría que nosotros decimos que sí, tal vez un 10% de, la, de, 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 de las veces que, la, que, que, nos, que nos piden uh -huh. eh, ayuda. Y ahora, y ahora más, y ahora más porque a medida de que vamos refinando eh, eh, el énfasis de, de estratégico de la fundación, uh -huh. pues se va definiendo mucho más what we will give money for. Um, so in defining, even just saying, informed and engaged communities, already we're saying we don't invest in a search for the cure for cancer. Okay. We don't uh, do um, sea level rise. We don't do wealth inequality. That is not to say that these are not very important issues very important issues. It is to say that our donors, our, our founders, had what is called donor intent 
y lo que dijeron es periodismo y las comunidades donde ellos tuvieron un éxito comercial increíble. Entonces, pero no dijeron cómo, dijeron qué. Entonces, periodismo y esas comunidades, mirando la forma en que manejaban sus negocios, leyendo lo que, lo que, lo que dejaron escrito, es que sacamos esta, este principio de, de, de la ciudadanía informada. En cierto modo, es, es un poco irónico que el, el, uh, el fundador conservador, patrician, eh, eh, republicano, supongo, la verdad es que ni sé. Eh, eh, se le supone. Jack, <risa> se le supone. Pero seguramente ¿no? <risa> era. Este, eh, él, él nunca, creo que nunca dijo. Eh, resulta ser el perfecto fundador para una fundación en, 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 en la era digital. Los hermanos cuando dejaron toda esa fortuna y son, tenemos dos, casi dos, dos billones y medio de dólares eh, de, de endowment, por eso, eh, por eso la distribución de, de 140 millones eh, por año. Pero los hermanos, estoy seguro que no se podrían imaginar, no se imaginaron y no se podrían haber imaginado eh, el uso de, de tecnología digital porque no existía ni tampoco el, el énfasis que le estamos poniendo en arte y cultura eh, porque ellos era, tra, trabajaban en otra era en otra, en otra época con diferente tecnología lo que sí siempre me he fijado es de manejar la fundación de la misma manera que manejaron ellos sus negocios con respeto a lo local ellos nunca aceptaron ser una compañía de un periódico. They, Jack Knight always refused to say he ran a chain of newspapers. What he ran was a collection of newspapers, each of them different from the other. Same journalistic quality, but different because Detroit is a different city than Miami, and they both are different than Philadelphia, and they're not any of them the same as San Jose, California. The other thing they always did was they were always open to technology. And so at the beginning, this guy in Akron, Ohio, Jack Knight, is editor in Akron, and then he's editor in Miami. How can he do that in 1923? He can do that because of the new technology called the telephone. Um, and he uses the technology there, and he goes from hot type to cold type. In 1948, there's a German engineering magazine that writes about the, El Americano Jack Knight, who uh, is talking in 1948 about faxing his newspaper to his customers. Cuando 99,9% del mundo ni sabía que era un fax, el tipo este ya se estaba imaginando cómo hago yo para faxear el periódico. Es increíble. Y, y te digo que no siempre tuvo éxito, porque invirtieron un, una millonada al principio de Internet y perdieron, perdieron casi todo porque era demasiado pronto, demasiado, mm. no, no, había, no había sonido, no había color, no había ningún, era solamente texto, y mirar texto en un, en un monitor es lo más aburrido que hay. Bueno, pero siempre experimentando. Entonces, para mí ese es el ejemplo, y cuando nosotros invertimos 
eh, con MIT para que, para que experimenten a ver qué, qué tipo de aplicaciones eh, se pueden usar para, más, para llegar más fácilmente, más efectivamente a la gente con la noticia que necesitan, yo digo que estoy haciendo lo mismo que estaría haciendo Jack Knight. ¿Cuál es la, eh, en, en tecnología, de lo que está haciendo ahora mismo la, la fundación? La, ¿Cuál es la inversión más divertida, más fascinante, más curiosa, más, más interesante que, a, que, Albert, wow. que Alberto Ibarguen le llama la atención? Y dice, mira, mira, mira tú lo que estamos inventando por aquí. Mira, eh, no sé qué decirte. Eh, tenemos una inversión eh, en algo que se llama el American... Y esto no es... No es nueva tecnología en el sentido de que eh, nos hemos inventado un, eh, una, un, una, alguna tecnología nueva, sino es la aplicación de la tecnología eh, para, de, para dar la noticia. Algo que se llama American Journalism Project, eh, que es dirigida por el, el individuo que se inventó el Texas Tribune, que para la gente que no lo conozca, para mí es uno de los mejores periódicos online que existen. Ya tienen, tienen creo que 12 años. Nosotros fuimos uno de los primeros inversores, en, eh, fuimos fund inversores fundadores del Texas Tribune, nosotros en, en Knight Foundation. Y ahora eh, quiere crear un fondo de 50 millones de dólares eh, para empezar 35, 40 nuevos Texas Tribunes en diferentes partes del de, de país. Y nosotros eh, le pusimos eh, los primeros 20 millones para empezar. Ya va por 48, creo. Casi ha llegado a la meta. Eh, ya van a ver dentro de poco una cantidad de, otros, eh, de otras eh, organizaciones eh, de noticias eh, online. Tenemos otro proyecto que para mí es fascinante y todavía no sé a dónde va a llegar, es, una, es un, una, una serie de experimentos eh, con MIT y Harvard Law School, eh, una, un fondo, eh, lo digo en inglés, to study the ethics and governance of artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. eh, oh, wow. The algorithms, estudiar, yeah. hmm. estudiar problemas de ética y de, y de gobernación, cómo vamos a gobernar esto de inteligencia artificial uh -huh. y nuestros socios en esto son Reed Hoffman, que es el, el sí. que se inventó eh, uno de los principales de PayPal y después de LinkedIn, uh -huh. y Piero Midiar, que es el que se inventó eBay. Y entre los tres pusimos el dinero para uh -huh. empezar a, a, a ver el impacto de uh, inteligencia artificial eh, eh, cómo gobernamos, cu cuáles son las reglas éticas, en, por ejemplo, en criminología. 
Eh, mucha gente dice, bueno, con inteligencia artificial eh, podemos darle a un juez exactamente lo que el, el, el veredicto que tiene que dar y el, el, el castigo que le tiene que poner. Y estamos experimentando y, y, y viendo a ver la cantidad de veces que el algoritmo, se dice, the algorithm, el, the algor que el, que el algorithm eh, ha sido influenciado lógicamente por la, el punto de vista, el prejuicio o, o el predile, la, predile, la predilección, ¿sí? the, the predilection of the, of, the, of the programmer. Algorithms have values. They reflect the values of the programmer. Por ejemplo, hace años en ProPublica, que también nosotros ayudamos a empezar, eh, sacaron una historia que en Google... Si escribías thug, la palabra thug, T-H-U-G, you got, um, uh, and clicked images, you got images of very ugly young black men. Nada más. Wow. And so they did the story. Mm -hmm. And guess what happened? It was corrected. They Now you could click, type in thug, click, and you got ugly young black men, ugly young Hispanic men and ugly young Asian men. No women, so you can't be a thug if you're a woman. Um, and what that says to me is, of course there's value. Somebody exercised judgment that we used to call editing um, and news judgment, and somebody exercised appropriately, exercised the judgment. So let's not pretend that because it's a machine, it is valueless. This is an interesting area of experimentation. How, how, how are we going to manage ourselves not to, not to harness artificial intelligence, but how do we live in artificial intelligence? We are well past the managing. We are in artificial intelligence, and we need to recognize that and figure out how we will govern ourselves that way. I was going to interrupt you before, Alberto. No me interrumpas. Bueno, de, de vez en cuando es, es muy importante interrumpir. Por favor. Por, por favor, solo por favor. Te, te, te veo muy positivo. Despite this conflation of opinion and verified news, despite this technology that is literally making decisions for us, you seem pretty positive about all this. I am a prisoner of hope, I am, and I am proud of it. Cornell, and that is, I wish that were my own phrase. That actually belongs to a professor named Cornell West, uh, who said a, 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 uh, a, an optimist is a guy who, who weighs um, the pros and cons and figures we can probably come out okay. The prisoner of hope is the one that says, oh my God, we're never getting out of here. But nevertheless, I hope that we're somehow going to fight. But I have reason for that. Look at what's happened to the First Amendment over time. Look at what happened, and that go all the way back to Gutenberg, when Gutenberg in mechanizes the Chinese invention of the printing press. All of a sudden, th see if you recognize this. Before that, There was, there was, the monks would illuminate the manuscripts, the cardinal would give, put the imprimatur, there was order. You knew what was truth. It said so right there. And now, all of a sudden, any Tom, Dick, or Martin Luther can print whatever they want. 
There's so much information. You don't know what to do with it. You don't know who to believe. It's everywhere. People learn to read. And for 100 years, they didn't know what they didn't know what the heck they were to do. We need to figure it out. Think about ourselves today. Think about our, our healthy skepticism today versus our naive uh, assumptions about what the internet was going to do 10 or 15 years ago. And already you see an amazing learning curve. Think about what we're challenging Facebook and Google, the ways in which they're being challenged today. And imagine that 10 years ago, you didn't hear anything about that. All you heard was about the magic of and the wonderful things that were going to happen. Well, all right, this is this is in the normal course. This is a really this is a rough patch, but it is a fascinating time to be alive. ¿Qué tiene qué okay. tiene qué tiene el Texas Tribune uh, en una en un mundo en el que tanta gente eh, intenta buscar ese hueco online que, que... Que, que es tan difícil, ¿no? Porque es otro mundo, pero mucha gente traslada su propio mundo ahí y no funciona. Y, o no consiguen monetarizarlo y, y, y se arruinan, como hablaste tú de los hermanos Nair al principio, quizás. Eh, ¿Qué tiene el Texas Tribune? Uh, me declaro yo totalmente ignorante. Según terminemos la entrevista voy a consultarlo, pero ¿qué tiene mm, que pueda ser atractivo y que pueda multiplicarse por otros lugares? Bueno, primero, que, que eh, desde el principio eh, reconocieron que esto era una, un negocio complicado, eh, que no era simplemente... Esto te lo voy a decir en inglés porque es más fácil, más, eh, más okay. fácil, más rápido. So, this is a complex business, this news business, and it is not just an editorial product, it is also a business, and it is also reliant on technology, exactly like... In Jack Knight's day, he got the best editor, he got the best business salesperson, and he got the best um, uh, operations uh, and, and uh, you know somebody to run the presses. So Texas Tribune got the best editor, Evan Smith. He was phen a phenomenal editor. They got um, a, an actual business person, not the religion editor who was willing occasionally to sell an ad on Fridays if she had time. <laughs> Seriously, and most online, most online operations are still basically um, uh, news people who are also doing other jobs. So they got an editor, they got a business person, and then they got the technologist. They got an individual who was frankly not that interested in the business, not that interested in the newsroom, loved the technology and said, how do I get people to use my, um, my product? And I love telling the story. They were sitting around when Wendy Davis does a, this is years ago, Wendy Davis was a legislator in the Texas uh, legislature. She was doing a filibuster in, in trying to stop a bill to defund Planned Parenthood. She gets up in the well of the house, she starts giving her filibuster, and everybody over at the Texas Tribune is sitting around the table and says, we have to cover the story, what are the issues, who is against it, who is for it, what about this, what about that? And then all of a sudden the tech guy says, but why don't you just put her on our website? 
and everybody this is years ago so in fairness and and they look at him and they say well what are you talking about and he says the texas legislature has a live feed i can just go click click <laughs> and put wendy davis on the website of the texas tribune and all of a sudden the site blew up because mm -hmm. there she was doing the filibuster right on their news site to me what that says is this is the smart application of the available technology. That's exactly what Jack Knight did with the telephone, with hot type, with cold type, with faxing, with later with internet. That's what you do. You do the intelligent application. But that person who is doing the technology is a different person than the one who is doing the editorial uh, product. And that's still a different person than the one that's doing the business. What happens then is you end up at Texas Tribune with lots of experiments about what kind of business are they in. They're not necessarily in the advertising business, although they will take an ad. They're not necessarily in the distribution business, although they would love to have your membership. They also do lots of convenings and they do they they will they will uh, bring the governor, the legislature, whoever, you know, come to the meeting and people pay and they are able through sponsorship and through payment to have a a, uh, um, uh, a source of income that most news organizations never use. And they are also very active in getting um, in getting tax deductible contributions from people who care about news. Thirdly, they focus. They do politics in Texas. If there's an atom bomb in Chicago, they don't cover it except for the fallout in politics in Texas. If, Bever if, if an opera singer sings in Houston, did she sing about politics? If she didn't, sorry, we'll cover, we'll cover you next time. So they have focus and that also matters. So when I say that the, the founder of the Texas Tribune is gonna run the American Journalism Project, he's not gonna run politics necessarily, but he's going to support with local funding and national funding with business people, with technology, and with a great editor, what is the what is the focus? Is it geographic? Is it subject matter? The Voice of San Diego is a terrific um, newspaper. The 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 uh, the city, the new one in New York. There's a there's another very interesting experiment in Chicago uh, called the the uh, uh, I'm going to block the name. It's the City Bureau, I think it is. Um, where they are, they are pushing the boundaries of what is journalism. They are a third community activist, a third trainers of citizen journalists, and a third journalist. And the conversation we're having with them is to figure out who they really are, because they are, I think they're on to something different. Uh, it is not the classic kind of, of, uh, of disinterested journalists. They are more engaged. It's another model. Look at Voice of San Diego. They are. They also have deals with NBC to do some of their local news, um, as well as cover the uh, that geography, and they cover it with a certain attitude. The New Tropic uh, here in Miami, which is a mag, which is a a news a news organization aimed at a 2030 something. 
um, the Charlotte agenda, uh, same kind of thing. There are these things all around. And so you ask me, why am I optimistic? I'm optimistic because there are people like Ted Williams who are doing things like the Charlotte agenda. And I think that's the way forward. Well, and it's interesting, those organizations that you've been talking about are nonprofit news organizations. So I suppose that, you know, that is part of the new successful business model that people are trying to make work with people like the Knight Foundation. Um, I think we have very little time left, but I did want to ask you, if, if what's, what's the report card? What grade would you give to the Knight Foundation for funding... Um, project proposals from women and journalists of color. How are you doing in that regard? I think uh, nobody's doing well enough uh, on that, in that regard. We're actually about to announce uh, some new grants in that area that I, that uh, we're just You not... can announce them here. Yeah. We could have some breaking news. <laughs> and don't interrupt me, por favor. No, no, que luego le dice Susana que está loco. It's going to be on your tombstone. <laughs> she knows. Era loco. <laughs> Um, she is a very patient woman. Um, no, I think I think uh, I think this is this continues to be um, an, uh, a significantly underserved area. On the other hand, it is also a very scrappy area. It is uh, it is the area of focus of the Newmark School of Journalism at uh, at CUNY at City University of New York, and we were the first ones who funded all of their summer internship programs so that students of color. Um, could uh, could afford the luxury of uh, of that kind of an education. We paid, we guaranteed the income uh, during uh, those first summers. Have we done enough? No. Uh, are we are we cognizant? Are we aware of it? I believe so, and uh, I think others uh, are beginning to come around and saying, "Okay, we're now beginning to figure out a little bit." There are some green shoots. Let's make sure that we're all in the room. The operation, by the way, in Chicago is called the City Bureau. I didn't want to. I didn't want to uh, uh, not say that uh, correctly. It's an excellent operation. And Muchísimas gracias, Alberto Ibarguen. Ha sido un placer estar conversando contigo, uh, aprender tanto sobre periodismo. Y aquí estamos empeñados en esta aventura bilingüe. Eh, pensamos que la guerra entre el español y el inglés. Eh, quizá dará como resultado un país que habla los dos idiomas y que no tiene que pelearse por cuál tiene que andar primero y cuál tiene que andar detrás venga, en venga. esa guerra estamos y a esa guerra te invitamos cuando quieras muchísimas gracias gracias por favor gracias so adiós adiós Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.